So one of the giants of Christendom um, died this week. We're going to give this thing one shot. Yes, and it worked. And uh, his name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham, 99 years old. You may have heard of him um, over the years yourself, or you may not have. It may be an unfamiliar name. Um, died after um, 65 years, really, of uh, public and international speaking uh, ministry. In terms of evangelical conservatism, uh, he was almost as big a name as you could get over the last 100 years, Billy Graham. Um, I got a bit of a soft spot for Billy Graham because he paid for my honeymoon. Can you figure that? Billy Graham paid for friends and my honeymoon. I'm not going to tell you that, so you have to ask. Friends and my honeymoon. Were you there? I noticed. That was great. So, and so Billy Graham is, is just a giant, you know, kind of a figure in Christendom. He has some great quotes I was looking at this week. He said, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost, which is probably counter to what we think. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. I mean, I, I love that as a, as a, as a, a, a I don't know, a, a saying for life. He says, knowing we will be with Christ forever far, forever, far outweighs our burdens today. Keep your eyes on eternity. He would say to you today and echo down through. He says, my home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through this world. And and you, you can't help but thinking sort of, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, rest in peace at a time when, uh, when a giant dies. And in Acts 13, 36, it says that David um, served God's purpose in his generation and then he died. There was uh, a life to be lived, a life lived to the full, and then he moved on and others were to take it over from there. And when I think about some of these giants, and I'm a little bit of a, a student of church history, um, I've always been inspired by those who have gone before. And Billy Graham is one, you know, for most of us, even though in our lifetime, has one who has gone before. Um, and all right through church history, I've been inspired by those and grateful to those who have gone before me because I feel like I stand somewhat on the shoulders of giants. And then I feel a, a great responsibility for the time that I get to just to be a believer, not really even to be a leader, but to be a believer and to continue to, to, to I don't know, to foster and harness some of the things that those inspiring people before have gone. And then I also think about a generation to come and the importance of us investing into generations to come that, that they too may uh, take, pick up the baton that we have at the moment and take through the things that God is wanting to do. So Billy Graham went from 1949, it was his first big crusade, which is sort of, you know, perhaps a dubious word these days, but that's what it was called in Los Angeles in 1949. His last public uh, evangelistic event was in 2013 at the age of 95. And so for 64, 65 years, he was front and center in many ways. And so um, it makes Pretty Puny and Poultry a, a three-week series by Vic and Fran Francis with a mere 25 years of pastoring a church. But nevertheless, standing on the shoulders of giants, we've, we have, um, we've chosen to do that through the last um, two weeks and, and concluding um, with today's message. Three weeks, not so much a sentimental, hopefully, look back and, and a retrospective to say, you know, kind of look, look what's happened over that time, but a sense of wanting to assess perhaps what we've learned and pass on, but look and, and stride into the future because we think that God still has a great future for us at our age and for you at your age, whether it's older than us or younger than us, 
that God has more, Lord. And we've been praying this prayer through uh, February, this vineyard prayer, but, a, but a, a prayer that's just so weighty with, you know, I do recognize, God, how wonderful you have been, but there is surely more that you're wanting to lead me towards. And we're praying this prayer as individuals, Fran and me, I guess, but also I think as a church we're praying it. And so I want to conclude this More Lord series today. And if you've missed the last two, it's uh, on our website, which is svc.org.nz. You can slash this way or that way, I'm not sure, and go sermons, and you will get to that, and you can listen to those if you like. And I want to conclude it with, a, with the theme or my title for today is A Faith to Live By. A Faith to Live By. I thought I could have done A Faith to Die For, and and... And in a sense, it will, it will encapsulate some of those things. But a faith to live by, is, to me, is a compelling thing. Show me a faith that I can live by, a faith that works, a faith that you can grow in. And I think I would be willing to give my life for that. And I, 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 here's what I mean, I suppose. Here are the things that have been in my mind as I've thought about this. You know, faith in Jesus is a, is a decades-long invitation to love and to serve something or, or someone, we would say, to love and to serve for decades someone, something bigger than ourselves. That's the invitation of Christian faith that, that Billy would have invited us to if we were at his New Zealand Crusades in 1959, 1969 when they were. Faith in Jesus is a daily act of lifetime of growing relationship. And again, to quote Billy Graham, being a Christian is more than just uh, an instantaneous conversion. Uh, how amazing he'd be criticized in some quarters for, you know, sort of a, a, um, an emotional conversion. But he never saw it like that. It's not just an instantaneous conversion. It's a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. This is what it's all about. Faith in Jesus is always sacrificial. It's always countercultural. It's always walking a narrow road. It's always, you know, going where maybe others aren't willing to go or haven't thought of going. It's always, or maybe not always, but it's often counterintuitive. Uh, everybody else seems to want to do this, and I'm going to do this. Faith in Jesus is something uh, to be grown and to develop, and it's a faith that we can live for. And so over a lifetime, and we all get a lifetime, maybe a short lifetime, maybe a long 99-year lifetime. Over a lifetime, whatever that is, of more Lord faith, more Lord faith in Jesus, we're going to experience just inevitably, we know the, the sort of the, the ins and outs of the tide. We're going to experience fantastic times and we're going to experience difficult times, aren't we, during that time. We're going to um, experience in our relationship with God times where God seems so close you could just reach out and touch him. He's almost physical and I could touch him and times where it just seems like he's left the building, he's left, he's left the planet, he doesn't even exist. We're going to experience those times. We know that. We knew that when we walked forward at that meeting. We knew that uh, in a way when we prayed that prayer in the quiet of our bedroom, wherever, wherever we would identify and we connected with Jesus in a real way. Faith in Jesus is going to involve the seasons. It's going to involve, if we're young, our youth, our exuberance, our, 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 our vision and dreams for the world. And certainly as we get older, it's going to involve our, maybe our slowing down, maybe our, our repurposing, re-understanding what it was all about in the first place. And, um, and, and moving through to a faith in Jesus that takes us towards an eternity with Jesus. This is what we have bought into. This is what we are. And as we, as we go through whatever those stages and seasons that we might be in now, we are invited, I think, to say, more, Lord. 
more, Lord. I want to see. I want to grow. I want to know you. And so this morning, I want to I share some things that I think have been helpful for me, but, but with a way of looking forward, I hope, rather than a way of looking backwards. And so, so the first thing that, that I have in mind when I was putting my, you know, lots of ideas together was just the importance of anchor points in your life. There you go. does kind of work. With anchor points in your life. For us to have places in our life, parts of our life, possibly that are even under the ocean of our life, that are going to anchor us in good times, and in, but probably in bad times, the most important part of, of the anchor points in our life. Points that we are not going to divert from. Points that we are, are going to make so fundamentally a part of who and what we are that, that they're going to dictate the decisions that we make or the, or the course that our life takes. So I was, I was thinking about, well, so what, what would be some of my anchor points? So I think, you know, it's going to sound a bit corny, but I think Jesus is an anchor point for me. Because I think sometimes in church and even in Christian faith, we can get so tied up with the, I don't know, the trappings, the, uh, the way that we do and work out this faith. I think sometimes that, that we can forget that Jesus is the center, even as we come back to him today. So is this bringing me closer to Jesus? I, I think for me, church has always been such an anchor point for my faith. It's, it's like every week I get to... I get to hear, I get to experience, I get to draw close. The weeks that I don't believe in God, I still come. The weeks that I do believe in God, I still come. The weeks where I feel like I've got something to give, I come. And the weeks where I feel I've got nothing to give, I come. And so church for me has been such an anchor. You know at least once a week you're going to be brought back somehow, somewhere to the degree that you're able into the reality of who and what Jesus is. I think it's been significant for me. For me, tithing's been a really significant anchor point. It's like I just know that money can be an issue. And for me, right from day one, it's like, okay, well, here's a way of, of, of keeping that whole area, uh, I, I don't know, pure and clean or, 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 or above reproach or something to, to make as a foundation, as a fundamental. It's been an anchor point in my life. Saying yes has been an anchor point in my life. As, as if God, if God um, asks, then, then I want my instinct to be to say yes. Certain key scriptures are anchor points in my life. Probably my life scripture, if I, if I have one, would be Matthew 6.33, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you after that. They're, they're anchor points as I see them in my life. Seek first his kingdom. You know, our church theme this year is, is your kingdom come. And I love this idea of of, of his kingdom being the thing that really matters, that's really important, of his righteousness, of his character, of his nature being something that's growing in my life. And I think it applies, you know, if you seek first his kingdom and your, your time, your talent, and your treasure, which sometimes we talk about, so summarize a whole lot of the things that we do. Um, you know, what do you do with your time, your talent, and your treasure? You know, what career do you do? What do you do with your money? You know, what, what do you do with the gifts that God's given? And if you, can have a, if you can have a grid that says, well, I, what I'm going to do is, well, whatever it is, I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else does seem to work its way out over a period of time, I think. 
um, for your dreams and ambitions. You know, what am I going to do with my life? Well, one thing I'm going to do with my life is I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And when I do that, my dreams and ambitions will tend to take care of themselves. Your decisions and your actions. Shall I do this? Well, is it seeking first the kingdom or is it not seeking first the kingdom? And it's a great anchor, great fixing point, great place to build and grow from as I see it anyway. Um, A.W. Tozer, who's another giant, really, of, of the 20th century, um, said this, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a, f- a thousand problems are solved all at once. And I, I think that's a really important thing. So what I want to get you to do, and this is not the end of the message, I want to ask you to stand with me. Would you stand? Because as I, as I bring points today, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray into those points. So if you're willing to stand, that would be fantastic. So I want you to think about your anchor points. What are my anchor points? The things that I want to become so fundamental and ingrained that they are undergirding everything that I do and everything that I undertake. And I want to pray into those things. And maybe you don't have any, and that's all right, because we'll pray that God will give you some, even this morning. So God, I want to thank you for the things that are going to anchor us, not just for 20 18, but Lord, for for decades to come, that we could take through our whole faith, our whole Christian life, and that we would know that would anchor us solidly in our faith, solidly to you. And Lord, I pray even now, because we pray more, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, that you you would birth in us scriptures you bring to mind, um, values that you bring to mind, absolutes that you'd bring to mind, that for us, maybe the person beside us wouldn't see it the same, but for us are going to anchor us, not only today, but, but for life. And Lord, for those of us who can identify, and I'm sure most of us in some way will be able to, we pray more, Lord. We, we, we say, yes, Lord. We say, we want to continue to walk in those things that you've, that you've brought and you've imbued us with, filled us with. And we pray more, Lord. Amen. So please be seated for a bit. So, so anchor points, I, I think, are important. They've, they've served me well. I, I, I reflect, and I, I think they will serve us all well. I, I think, too, that we, that we also, you know, a faith to live by might involve anchor points, but it also involves... Um, dynamic, new, and ongoing growth. Because some of the things about, we even saw it in the photo, you know, kind of an anchor can get nailed, you know, kind of uh, covered with covered with barnacles and all sorts of things. And so there's the important thing that we have uh, as we go um, through our Christian life is continued to grow, continuing to develop this faith and this understanding and this un- meeting of God. So I was in the car during the week and um, the song came on and it was um, a 1969 song by Elvis Presley called In the Ghetto. So some of you know, some of you are old enough to remember. I was eight years old when that song came out. And the thing that shocked me a little is I know every word of In the Ghetto. You know, kind of, and it's a pretty kind of dr- grueling song, actually, when you kind of go. So I'm there singing it and um, thinking, it's amazing. I was only, I'm the youngest of four brothers, and, and so maybe it was in our, but I certainly never put it on the record player or the 78 or whatever it was and back in those days. But I know every word of, of that song. And then it occurred to me, nobody's singing Elvis anymore. Um, nobody is that interested in singing Elvis anymore. 
but I have ingrained in me all of these old songs. And I'm thinking, but I've got to also grow. I need to know some new songs. I need to know some uh, new things. I need to have some new revelations and understandings and new awarenesses of who God is. I've got to grow or else I become like crispy leaves, really. And that's, that's all it is, is feeding the next um, incarnation, I suppose, of what happens from there. And so um, I was at a Vineyard College event just this week uh, where we're doing training with our interns. And um, uh, this 18-year-old intern sat down um, at lunchtime with me. And um, he's, he's from another Vineyard church from down the, down the line. And he, he looks at me and he says, so what's your life message, Vic? And I was like, my goodness, that's, that's the sort of thing I'd ask an old person. <laughs> so I was like... They are so much younger people these days, I I felt, you know, kind of along the way. So what's your life message, he says. And I'm kind of thinking I'm scrambling, eh, because, you know, because this is the moment, you know, that he's, when I asked Vic Francis, as we said. And and this is what I said, and I was was quite pleased with what I said in a way. I said, (laughs) modesty forbids, but thank you. Don't laugh, don't, don't applaud until you've heard, yeah. It's always better beforehand. The taste of it's better. The the, the idea of it's better than the taste usually, but there you go. So I said, you know, if you had asked me this question 10 or 15 years ago, I would have said commitment. That's my life message. This whole idea is if, if Jesus has given you everything, you would give him everything back, wouldn't you? Live your life out for that. And I said, but you know, built on commitment, it's not like I've moved past commitment or I don't think commitment's important. I said, Today I would feel like my life message is relationship, relationship with Jesus that grows, that develops, that expands, that is continually new and growing. And I thought, um, I've grown. You know, so commitment I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't put as sort of, you know, dead leaves or anything like that. But relationship is something that's flourished and flowered and, and is still growing. And we need to have, I don't know, edges of our lives that are growing. I love scriptures like this. It doesn't quite match in some ways what I'm saying, but I think you'll get it. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's an invitation to relationship. There's an invitation, and no matter where we're at, you know, feel like we're old, feel like we're passed over, feel like someone else got the, you know, the best genes or the best spiritual gifts or something like that. There is an invitation of God to this relationship that he calls us forward. And, and I, I love that idea. And so could you, would you stand with me? Because I want to pray more, Lord, on things that are new, on things that are for you, on things that are for this season and going beyond. And so, God, would you come? And I don't know, maybe there are some people who feel like that's around in that photo, but Lord, would you come and breathe life? And even in the midst of, of maybe dryness for some or maybe distraction for others or whatever we would identify, Lord, would you bring your newness? Would you bring a new invitation to relationship and growth, a new invitation to, to understand you and a new desire, Lord, to be part of this great story that you're, that you're creating in, in my life and our lives together. And Lord, we, we build on our anchor points, but oh God, we so desperately need your fresh breath that help us to fall in love with you all over again. And Lord, I pray more, Lord, 
More, Lord, on this congregation. More, Lord, on these individuals. More, Lord, on those who desperately need it. And, and more, Lord, on those who are doing quite well. Thank you very much. More, we pray, Lord, for us as a people. Amen. You may be seated. I could pray with you sitting down and God would do just the same thing, but I've, I'm determined on this last message. No one will fall asleep. That would be, that would be so inappropriate. So we have anchor points, don't we? And, and we have growth points, I think, that are really important. I think, I think another thing that is a really important thing um, in terms of a, a faith to live by is, is having a good image of God, is understanding who and what God is like. Our image of God affects everything, the way that we behave, the way that we act, the way that we see God. And so when we look out, what do we see when we think of and see God. I, I just, I think I'm the luckiest person because I, I, um, I interviewed a guy um, years and years ago uh, and I said to him, you know, what is your, what is your life message? Yeah, I was, I was just a young punk, you know, 20 years old or something like that. That guy was probably my age. <laughs> he seemed old. And, uh, and he said, God is nice and he likes you. God is nice and he likes you. Seems so untheological that, eh? You think I would have come up with a better image of God statement after, you know, 25 years pastoring and 35 years of Christian and stuff. But God is nice and he likes me is something that's carried me, sustained me, is something that I believe. It's in my core. It's probably one of my anchor points, but it's my image of God. It's actually really important to me. And so, you know, over a period, you know, kind of we've had our ups and downs, but God has never been anything other than nice and he likes me, for me, loves me, wants me inviting me, drawing me. That's my image of God. It's been very helpful. It's incredibly helpful in terms of uh, walking this faith and walking forward. So God is nice and he likes me. I think for Fran, she may not say it in terms of such an overarching thing that I'd say, but she was drawn to this title of a book um, or subline of a book by, by Brenna Manning, so the, the Relentless Tenderness of Jesus. You know, and it, and it, and it, and it changed her life in a, in a big way. Um, knowing and understanding that, that this is who we worship. Our understanding, our image of God is really important, that we, that we know who He is. And I think a scripture like Romans 8.31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? It's sort of rhetorical, isn't it? The, the, the essence of it is God is for us. If God is not, it's not if, I'm, I'm not sure if He is. It's if God is for us, as we know, as we've proved, as we've seen. If God is for us, then who can be against us? We have this God who loves us as we look. And so our image of God is really significant. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And, and just from, from verse 35, and it may not add to the message, but I just think, I mean, how gobsmacking is this? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Will any of them know? And he says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's stand and invite God more, Lord, in our image of who God is. And you know, God is nice and he likes me, might become your image of God. Chances are not. It was so important for me. 
So I don't offer it to you as this is, this is the synopsis. But it's worth pursuing an image of God that is going to bring you into, into goodness and health. And so, God, we, we pray, Lord, that you would heal, maybe in some cases, our image of God. Maybe those areas that we have missed who and what you are and what you've been saying. We pray that you bring us freedom if we've misunderstood. And we pray that in replace, replacing that, you would, you would bring us into a, into a healthy, whatever that looks like, image of God. Thank you, Jesus, for your relentless tenderness to pick up on one phrase that's been important in our congregation. Thank you, God, that you are nice and you like me to bring up another phrase. Lord, would you give each of us our own phrase so that we can understand and grow and flourish in our relationship with you. More, 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 Lord, we pray. Amen. So please be seated again. I've only got one more. I only make you stand up one more time. And then the, then the final thought that I've got in this whole thing, you know, we've got anchor points. We've got the importance of new growth. We've got the, the whole idea of the image of God. And I think a faith to live for is something that involves a, 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 a looking ahead more than a looking back, a, a surging forward rather than a, rather than a, a retrospective. Um, one of the great, I don't know, phrases and understandings in the vineyard that I've really appreciated over the years is, is something called the centered set. And the idea of the centered set is Jesus is the center and we're all heading towards the center. So we might be on different angles and might be from different distances, but Jesus is the center and we're all heading towards the center. It's a great picture and it's a great little check for us. It's like, am I heading towards Jesus? If I'm heading towards Jesus, I think we're heading forward. First Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever you eat or whatever you uh, eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So as you know from the series, you know, Fran and I, we've been pastoring in February 1993. We started in 25 years ago this month. And you know what? I've, I've always been a reluctant leader. I'm, I'm still kind of a reluctant leader. Um, and for the first 10 years of pastoring, um, I think I enjoyed it day by day, but overall I, was un I had an underlying sense of grumpiness. Ten years, quite a long time to be grumpy. So, and this was the reason really is because I was a journalist and I actually really enjoyed doing that and I actually thought I was good at it. And a lot of the time of pastoring, I felt like I haven't been very good at it. And so I always was thinking, so God, I'm doing this out of obedience. You know, it wasn't like I hated it by any means, but it was... I always had an idea that this was, this was waiting for the real thing, whatever the real thing might be. So for 10 years, if, if, if somebody said to me, um, oh, hi, you know, introduce yourself, and they say, what do you do? I would say a version of this. I'd say, oh, I'm a journalist. Uh, at the moment, I'm pastoring, uh, you know, on the North Shore of Auckland, but, but I'm a journalist. That, that was how I, I defined myself, how I identified myself. 10 years out of 25, a long time, eh? And then just like overnight, I suddenly thought, I wonder if I'm a pastor. <laughs> I wonder if I'm a church leader. You know, that thing that on the end of your emails says, I wonder if that's what I am. And that I used to be a journalist. And so I went just, just, just like that. 
from introducing myself as a journalist who happens to be pastoring at the moment to, to being a pastor who used to be a journalist. And that was the day that was the day that I started looking ahead down the road instead of behind me, up back up the road, wondering, wondering what it was. And and I like that picture because we can't see into the fog. We don't know what's ahead. We do have hope of the future, I'm sure, that kind of out there. But I think always there are things that we can leave behind. You know, forgiveness comes to mind. You know, that we can leave the offense behind and we can move forward. Opportunities come to mind. You know, we can, we can um, stop our, uh, I don't know, regrets and we can look for the opportunities of God ahead. There are always things that God wants to move us towards. And I think that's a road that's worth living for. That's a road that's worth dying for. A road worth living by. A road that's worth dying for. That's the road that we want to walk as individuals and as a church. The walk forward, not the look back. So would you stand with me just for the final time? So God, we say more. We ask you more, Lord, more. And we look ahead. And Lord, if there are any areas in our lives that are holding us back because, you know, because we're in a rut or, or because we haven't been able to move on, Lord, we identify that as being an invitation from you to look ahead. Lord, we know that there are mists and we know that there are unknowns, but we do have hope and we do trust that we have a future. And we say more of what you have for us. You know, we have a, we have a, a, a store of experiences and stories of how you've got us this far. And we say it's good. But God, we feel, we sense, we believe, we say surely, God, that there's more for us to come and we embrace it and we take a step at a time or we plunge in or whatever stage that we're at, Lord, we begin to head towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.